Welcome Welcome to the opening up the tent podcast. And this is coming to you from uh, Mary Queen of Peace Catholic Church in Webster Groves. I'm Father Craig Holway. I'm the pastor at Mary Queen of Peace. And with me always as the, what, the host of opening up the tent, Jimmy Vreeland. Jimmy, do you want to say hi to the group today? You're having a rough day today. I know. You always want to get tongue-tied right at the start of the podcast. (laughs) That keeps everybody listening. Well, it's spring break, you know. We're gearing up for spring break. You know, today is Friday, March the 10th, and everybody's gearing up for spring break. So you have spring break on your mind. So I absolve you from your tongue-tiedness, tongue-tiedness, brain fart, whatever you want to call it. Thank you. And you're right. I do have a, maybe I do have spring break on my mind. How you doing? I am very good. Uh, We are, yeah, we, the, the kids are excited. We're headed down to Cardinal spring training. Great. Great. Have a great time. Safe travels. Hopefully it'll be warmer there than here. Yeah, for sure. If, if it's not 80 degrees, I'm going to be very disappointed. <laughs> hey, what do you want to talk about today? Uh, I want to talk about, I was sitting in the pews at eight o'clock mass last Sunday. Um, yes. And you kind of threw a challenge out to the congregation. And I was just like, you know what? That would make a good podcast talking about that challenge and why it's important. Right on. Right on. Well, thanks. Yeah, I got a lot of uh, positive feedback from that um, from that homily. Well, let, let's do a little summary and then we'll kind of go from there. You know, so last Sunday um, was the second Sunday of Lent and the readings uh, for the liturgy came from the uh, Hall of Abraham uh, from the uh, book of Genesis. And then there was a psalm uh, mixed in there. We then had Paul's letter to the Romans. And then we had uh, the Luke's version of the transfiguration of Jesus, the transfiguration of Jesus. And so, uh, and and these are classic. The transfiguration always figures into the Lenten lectionary cycle. Um, And so um, uh, that's a pretty standard, um, pretty standard uh, gospel passage and and a good theme for Lent too. And the challenge, uh, just to sort of cut through it, we can go back and and talk about how it all fits together. The challenge that I threw out to the congregation and to myself, quite frankly, was to take this week and really all of Lent and uh, challenge ourselves, challenge ourselves, stretch ourselves outside of what we might call our spiritual and personal comfort zone and challenge ourselves to grow personally and spiritually, morally, to make ourselves a little uncomfortable, to try to become more, try to become better and best and to do so voluntarily and to do so voluntarily. And that was the whole point, right? So that's kind of where the, 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 the that was the point for prayer uh, coming out of, of, of mass on Sunday. And uh, since then got a lot of positive feedback and a lot of positive, um, a lot of positive uh, criticism, uh, constructive criticism on how to make that homily even better. So that's kind of where we are. Where, 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 what, what, what resonated with you? Well, I'm just, I'm kind of going to go through, um, you know. But wait, Father Craig, I thought going to mass was you're supposed to feel peace and comfort, <laughs> and like, you know, I, I don't like, I don't like it when from the pulpit I get challenged, like. Who's the who's the priest to say that to me? <laughs> right. 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 Yeah, exactly. You know, there's a, a couple things to you know and 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 challenging challenging God's people from the pulpit is always a uh, a a delicate thing, but it's also part of the prophetic call. So, here's what I mean by that. St. Augustine says that a homily should um, a teach, inspire, and challenge, right? And so when we listen to 
the priest or the deacon preach, his words should um, inspire us, encourage us, um, affirm us in our vocations and in our discipleship. We could learn something, learn something that we didn't know before. I used to live with a retired guy, and uh, he was a great homilist, and uh, he would preach, and people would would come up to me even after his masses and tell me just how much they learn from his homily. He was really into like historical interpretation of scriptures and things like that. And then there's the third, um, the third sort of purpose of according to St. Augustine, and that is the word of God should unsettle us. And a homily can challenge us to look at our life, to look at our vocation and our discipleship, and if need be, to take on corrective action. And that's what the challenge is all about. But governing that challenge from the pulpit, there has to be a precondition of pastoral love, right? So the, the scenario you just uh, laid out there, who's that priest to tell me what to do, right? <laughs> Nobody tells me what to do, right? And I'm not wrong in that, you know, the purpose of this podcast is to open up the tent. I'm not wrong in thinking people who aren't looking looking to go into the tent are thinking that, right? Oh, uh, amen. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely, right? Yeah, you're just another man, right? You're just another man, right? And then who are you, who are you to stand up there? Go ahead. But like if you um it's not exactly secular society. If you look at uh our modern day there's people on the internet selling challenges. Like you ever heard of 75 hard? No. Okay. 75 hard is, um, uh, man, what's his name for sell? He's from St. Louis. You, you ever see those, uh, supplement superstores? Yeah. Yeah. So it, yeah. man, what is his, his last name's for but he's got a pretty okay. big podcast. Uh, he's got a very big podcast, very big following and the dude's a genius. But he sells, a, it's called 75 Hard, and it's really, it's gotten traction. It's very mm -hmm. big all around. And basically what you do is um, you got to read 10 pages. I got several friends who've gone through this. You got to read 10 pages a day. Uh, you have to work out twice a day. Uh, you have to, of course, eat clean. Um, and then there's a, a couple other things. And while you're doing it and you're working out this hard, maybe you'd like to buy some supplements. So marketing-wise, <laughs> sales-wise, the dude is a genius, right? Right. But like right. I um Andy Fursell is his name. Um right. I, I've listened to his podcast. He seems like a great guy, and he's from St. Louis, and that and that's and that's awesome. But like the current world is devoid of challenging, and now they are paying people to challenge challenge you paying people on the internet to challenge right. you so it's like uh marketing in our in our education company the first thing we sell you is a financial challenge yeah so it's like subliminally i don't know is that a word so yeah subliminally yeah um it seems to me i'm observing and i know i love it but people will pay for a challenge but you yeah. get a free you get a free one from that's right a, a religious institution and all of a sudden people are angry right right yeah they uh and and i think that has to do with again something that we've talked about on this podcast before and that is we like to be in control of our own life and our own destinies and our own choices we like to be control we like to have control over that we don't want to have that imposed and yet what saint paul tells the romans and so now sort of going back to the readings from last sunday that gave gave rise to the homily was that saint paul spends a lot of time in his letters telling um his his churches um, look, you know, you guys, you, you're good, but you're not great, right? You're good, but you're not best. But you're, wait, Father Craig, if you love someone, you tell them they're they're okay the way they are. Yeah, yeah. 
<laughs> that does not reflect reality. And we all know that. That does not reflect reality. And if, a, if, uh, if that were the case, we would never correct our children and our children would, I mean, it would devolve into Lord of the Flies over there at your house. You would have your four children, right? You're making the assumption that it's not Lord of the Flies. <laughs> true, true. You know, but listen, yeah, right? That's the, that's the, that's the common, that common misconception of love, right? I talked a little bit about this at mass this morning too, you know, that love Yes, there is a degree of acceptance that comes with love, but Christ-like love includes the invitation to strive for Christian perfection and Christian holiness. Jesus does accept people where they are, but whenever he encounters a sinner, when he encounters the woman caught in adultery, when he encounters St. Matthew and calls him, when he encounters Zacchaeus in the sycamore tree, he tells all of those people at the end of their encounter, I love you and I've come to you. Then he says, and you can check this in scripture, do not sin anymore. Well, right. yeah, what came to my mind was Zacchaeus. As soon as he's done eating with dinner with Jesus, he's like, I'll pay everybody back that I stole from four times. Right. And it wasn't like at Jesus that at dinner, Jesus wasn't like, you're awesome, Zacchaeus. Right. And hey, good luck on Tuesday when you go rob a widow of her savings. Good. You're special. Right. Good job. Right. Exactly. Or, or the woman caught in adultery. Right. And, and Jesus bends down into the dirt and writes whatever he writes we're not told what he writes in the sand huh but he stands up after all the pharisees have gone away and and this woman who was caught in the very act of adultery he 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 looks at her she she he he raises her up and he looks at her and he says has anyone condemned you i don't condemn you but go and sin no more those words were spoken with a sternness, but they came from a place of love. And so this Christ-like love that we're talking about, the kind of love that the church holds up to us to emulate includes not only an acceptance, but also a stern admonition to sin no more. And so when the priest or the deacon stands at the pulpit and gives a challenge, the other thing that we have to remember, in addition to that being the point of a good homily to teach and to inspire and to correct, and not only, and, and then in addition to that, the, 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 the word comes from a place of love. The first person the preacher preaches to is himself, right? So we have to get over this idea of this kind of clericalism that thinks that the priest is the best thing since sliced bread. The deacon is the best thing since sliced bread. We have to get over that. And we have to remember that the people that are preaching are, are striving to be holy, just like everybody else in church. And so the first person that I'm preaching to every Sunday is myself. And then I can, I can challenge you in the same way that the Lord is challenging me. So that that that's a little bit of that background of of where that challenge comes from. Um, but just to circle back to you know to what we were saying earlier, just about the challenge itself, about self-imposed um, growth, self-imposed stretching. Um, we 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 all know that that is good for us that is good for us, right? There, nobody likes to be complacent. And so the church offers us this time in this series, this, this season of Lent to focus on growing spiritually, stretching ourselves spiritually and personally and morally, taking 47 intensive days to look at ourselves 
and to say, okay, how, where, where am I lacking and how can I improve? And if I'm already good, then how can I become better? And if I'm already better, how can I become best? And then there, is there ever a point where you're like, I got it. Yeah. And I, I am, uh, I guess the, I have reached moral perfection. Yeah. I, I'm assuming there's been one person who's done it and, <laughs> and that was Jesus. Right. Yeah. And, and, and the, but do like, do the, yeah. yeah. Do the saints ever talk about it? like, Hey, I got it no. done. No, no, I don't think so. I think because if any saint were ever to say that, then that saint would be lacking in humility. Right. There's that yeah. classic joke, right. Um, uh, the classic joke. And I, I don't mean any offense to anyone out there listening, um, but there's the classic uh, joke. Do you know how you can tell if someone went to Notre Dame? Wait long enough and they'll tell you. <laughs> listen, no offense to anybody. I've been to Notre Dame. I love it, right? Go fighting Irish, right? But listen, you know, so any saint that says, um, oh yeah, I'm holy, you know, I've reached Christian perfection is lacking in humility. No one would ever say that, Right. Uh, so no, there to my knowledge, but what we do say is that the saints were um, heroic agents of virtue, but not perfect, right? St. Paul had his deficiencies, um, the great medieval saints, uh, starting with St. Jerome, he had his deficiencies, um, e even... Uh, you know, someone like St. Therese of Lisieux, she had her deficiencies, so on and so forth. The only two absolute perfect paradigms of virtue are the Blessed Mother, Mary, our Queen of Peace, and her son, Jesus, Jesus, the Messiah, the Son of God. Everyone else is in, in, in transit everyone else is in transit, you know, to circle back to our first reading from last weekend, you have Abraham. So we, 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 we encounter Abraham in our first reading for the first time in scripture. He is uh, a nomadic shepherd. He is minding his own business, shepherding his flock, when a voice out of nowhere comes. Well, he's still and, living in his dad's basement. They didn't have basements he, there in his dad's tent. He's living in his father's tent. Yeah, exactly. Right. Living off of his father's livelihood. And he is told to go to an unknown place and uh, and settle there. And, and out of obedience to the voice, which BTW he has no idea who the voice is or where it came from. Uh, he goes. And for the next, gosh, 15 or 20 chapters, we watch Abraham grow in faith and in trust that culminates in him raising a knife over his son's neck until the angel of the Lord stops him. So we literally see Abraham walking this journey um, of, of, of being stretched, of being challenged by the Lord. Okay, what now are you willing to do for me? What now are you willing to do for me? Then, you know, it's an interesting detail when he arrives, when he arrives there with uh, his son and he's got Isaac tied up and he's held the, um, he's, he's holding the knife above Isaac's neck and the angel of the Lord comes and stops him. And, uh, the angel says, um, it, it, sort of channeling God, um, uh, you know, now I know that you are even willing to give up your only son, you know, so he was willing to leave his father's basement. He was willing to entertain the three angels he and Sarah, he was willing to engage in battle against the Amalekites. And now he's even gone so far as to willing to kill his only son 
And so we see Abraham being stretched. And then you fast forward. So then you then then you then I fast forwarded to um, the psalm in which you know the psalmist says that you know God Himself in in two brief verses in two brief verses we the psalmist says that God is upright, trustworthy, just, righteous, and kind. He knows us and delivers us and preserves us and helps us and shields us. So this God who communicates with Abraham, this God who communicates with all of us, he is upright, trustworthy, just, righteous, kind. He knows, delivers, preserves, helps, and shields us. And so when the voice comes and says, I challenge you, He's not challenging us because he's some sort of sadist. He is upright and trustworthy and just and righteous and kind, so on and so forth. And so when he comes to us, he's coming to us from a place. He's challenging us because he loves us. Not and because, then that gives you that gives you the faith or the trust to cross the threshold. Exactly. Like, because I guess the, you know, the ancient Greeks, they may challenge people, but just to mess with them. Right. Just to, you know, just like uh, the Odyssey. They just yeah. wanted to mess with Ulysses for 10 years. Right. Yeah, they just wanted to mess with them for 10 years. Right. Right, exactly. Whereas when God stretches us, whether they are, whether they are self-imposed challenges or the crosses that come with life, the challenges are there so that we can be glorified, glorified with a capital G. In other words, made saints, self-imposed challenges sanctify us. Self-imposed challenges make us saints. They help us grow in virtue. Crosses from the outside of us, those imposed either by the the vagaries and the vicissitudes of life, those crosses, those challenges can also be curative. They can also be um, sanctifying if we accept them with an open heart. And that's how we grow. I'm kind of, so that's kind of like last week's podcast. <clears throat> if you're able to What's coming to my mind is last week's podcast. So if you're able to take, you know, life's coming at you no matter what. Yeah. And then you can choose to see your own deficiencies and you can choose to stretch yourself. Yeah. But is that the detachment you talked about last week that yeah. hey, no matter what comes my way, I'm using this to be challenged, to be stretched, to get closer to God. That's right. That's right. Yep. That's exactly right. So the 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 stance the stance so now now we need to bring in um now we need to now would be a good time to bring in um jordan peterson uh we've talked about him before on this podcast canadian psychologist um currently uh sort of an, an internet uh darling um especially his work on um just sort of positive, I don't know what you would call it, like positive uh, humanity. I mean, really focusing on- I would say the positive aspects of human responsibility. The, that's a great way to put it. Okay, the positive, the positive aspects of human responsibility, right? So Peterson refuses to acknowledge that we are not without an ability to be responsible for our own life. And so some of this that I'm talking about today comes from a recent addition to his work um, in which he talks about vision and destiny. And he really resonates Christian themes. And he puts it this way. He says that, um, what did he uh, say the other day? Um, so I wrote it in a, I wrote it down. It was so profound. Um, he said, Voluntary exposure to challenges is curative. Now let's break that apart a little bit. 
voluntary exposure, willingly taking on challenge, willingly accepting responsibility and hardship, not begrudgingly, not whining, not obfuscating, but not trying to run away, not trying to run away, not complaining about it, not complaining about it is curative. In other words, it fixes, it heals. Wait a minute. You're trying to tell me that crosses and challenges and stretchings that could hurt is actually curative? Yeah, I thought all that stuff breaks us, Father Craig. Like, right. we shouldn't do that hard stuff because it'll break us. Right. Don't, yeah. If it, if it hurts, don't do it. If it makes you uncomfortable, don't do it. If it makes you unhappy, don't do it. That, that, that's the, that's the current, current mindset of sort of our pampered and or cush. If, Go yeah, ahead. Or if anything like that comes along your way, you're also a victim. Yeah. Yeah. Someone else is trying to control you. Someone else is trying to, someone else is trying to manipulate your freedom. But if you voluntarily take it on, it's actually curative. And then Peterson goes on in that podcast to talk about how deep down, we, we all want that. Deep down, we all want that. Like when I, when I watched the, and now Father and Craig and I are not affiliates for the Daily Wire. But if you do want to watch this, just get it, go on the Daily Wire and it, yeah. it is on there. And it has the Exodus uh, what, uh, lectures. The, the other seminar. Are, yeah, the Exodus seminar. Yeah. Which are phenomenal. So this is what I did want to talk to you about is I understand all of this logically, right? Yeah. And I, I accept it. Do you know what frustrates me? No. Okay. And like, I've been through some decently hard <laughs> challenges, like in the military and whatnot, right? Yeah. Yeah. And like, here's what I don't like about being me. Something hard is going to come up in the next week for me. And guess what I'm going to do? Mentally, um, mentally and emotionally, I'm going to complain. Yeah. I'm going to whine. And then I'll most likely I'll talk to Susie and she'll tell me or you and you'll tell me to stop whining. <laughs> right. But like, I, I, and I'm uh, I'm only bringing this up on the podcast not because this is like my own personal therapy session, but I'm assuming <laughs> I'm assuming a lot of people go through the same thing. Yeah, but like I'd be much cooler with all of this if I was inherently had a switch built in where I could avoid the 30 minutes of complaining or the 30 minutes right. of anxiety. I would love that. That right. would be awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a great point, right? So the the um the 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 uh, the weakness there or the the opportunity the opportunity for stretching there is not to simply tolerate it by white knuckling your way through it instead pausing both interiorly and exteriorly and asking ourselves this question how can this cross, how can this challenge, how can this obstacle make me a better person? And I would hazard a guess. And now remember what I said about the first person I'm preaching to is myself. I would imagine that there are very few people out there who can honestly say that they are absolutely perfect in every way. At the end of the night, when you're lying in bed by yourself, I would hope that our conscience would prick all of us into arriving at a moment of honesty when we say to ourselves, I probably didn't do at least one thing perfectly today, one interaction with someone, one moral choice, one word that snuck past the goalie, one 
habit that I succumbed to. And, but also what comes with that indictment, that self-indictment is also a realization that it doesn't have to be that way. It doesn't have to be that way. We don't have to keep doing the same things we're doing and expect a different result. We can change. And what is so brilliant about Jordan Peterson and really any talk therapy, by the way, I want to throw this in there real quick. I'm going to get on a soapbox for just a minute. You know, you're always sounding off. Hit I it. sound off for just a minute. Yeah, it's my turn. Be quiet. All right. <laughs> <laughs> my turn. So listen, there, there, here, here's what I, here's what I think about talk therapy. Okay. I've been to talk therapy. Okay. I've done it. Um, you, you basically pay a therapist um, money to tell you what you already know, but refuse to admit to yourself. And what Jordan Peterson is doing in his podcast is he's speaking universal truths about the human condition and challenging us to do something about it. And so his, his, his talks here on envisioning and destiny, they really are challenging us much in the same way that preachers do from a pulpit to take a hard look at ourselves and to take an opportunity to change ourselves for the better. And that's very Christ-like. I mean, that's, that's the essential mission of the church. And that's certainly the point of the transfiguration now now to go back to last weekend into the homily right when jesus is lifted up into the clouds and he is there with moses and elijah that is a vision of the 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 the, the beatific reality of heaven in other words when we accept our crosses and our challenges and when we voluntarily take them on not only are they curative but they lead us closer to Christ. They lead us closer to heaven. The ultimate reality of taking and following Jesus on the way of the cross leads us to heaven. And so Peterson would say something like, well, to help you become a better person, a happier person, the Christian sort of spin on that is that Yes, and it gets you to heaven. And so to voluntarily challenge ourselves not only makes us a better person for tomorrow, but it prepares us for eternity. Well, and so I've listened to probably thousands of hours of Peterson podcast, right? Yeah. And what? a constant theme that I keep coming back to is all the things he's saying. And I, he'd almost kind of say this is, Oh, wait a minute. This has already been in the Bible. Like I know I've already. Oh heard yeah, this. totally. Like, for example, like Jesus is constantly saying, pick up your cross, voluntarily choose a challenge and follow me. Yeah. Now he might not say it in as articulate a language as Peterson and for as long, cause his lectures are like an hour long. But yeah. like there is essentially you're going to have crosses put on you, but yeah. it's like you're saying it's curative if you choose to pick up that yeah. cross and you're That's constantly right. told to do that throughout the gospels. Yeah. 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 I think, amen. Amen. Yeah. What, what, what Peterson is teaching and, and offering to the human family um, has been said already in in the Christian scriptures and something that the Christian church has been preaching for 2000 years. And hopefully God willing, when I preach from the pulpit, that is something that is, that is becoming clearer, right? Not only does the, the word of God prepare us for tomorrow, but it prepares us for all eternity. Um, and, and I think you're right. I, I, I think, I think, I think Dr. Peterson would, willingly admit that his work is saturated in the Judeo-Christian narrative 
of of the human condition and of the human family for sure. Did you um did you ever read that two Catholic priests wrote a book on uh 12 rules for life? Did you ever read that book? I did. I did. Yeah. Uh God uh wait, God Peterson and the meaning of life or something like that. Yeah. Yeah, I did read that. It's fascinating. Yeah, and then at the end there's that interview with Bishop Barron. Do you remember that interview with Bishop Barron? Yeah, I, I remember listening to it, but I don't. I yeah. just remember the conclusion I I got from that book. And what's and and what did you conclude? Okay, so like you get to the end of Peterson, the road <clears throat> with Peterson, and it pretty much the philosophy sums up that you adapt responsibility, you do all these positive things to essentially alleviate suffering, right? Correct. And I was just like, wah, wah, wah. <laughs> right. Like, that's it? Like, yeah. that to me, I'll be honest with you, that's not, that's not compelling enough yeah. to me to go through all the, the self-disciplines and responsibilities. Yeah. But now, eternal life, I get, I get excited. I, I can do all that for eternal life. Communion with God, once I, I studied and understood what that actually meant, I could do that. So... When I got done with that book, like one of the funniest lines I ever heard C.S. Lewis say was basically he said, like living the Christian life and not expecting everlasting life is like having your cake and not eating it. Right. And that's right. and that was when I got to the end of that Peterson book about that the priest wrote. That was my conc conclusion. And I was like, right. well, I got to go to the church to get more. I got to right. have more because alleviating suffering, it just. It's not enough. It's very, uh, that's very stoic, very yeah. Epicurean, like yeah. uh, Epicurious used to talk about that. It's just, yeah. like, for me, it's just not enough. Yeah. Well, it doesn't reflect, it doesn't reflect reality. You know, the reality is that life is suffering, right? And, and, and it is inescapable and it comes in a variety of different ways. And so to think and to live and to have a mentality that, well, if I do this, then I won't suffer. And then suffering happens. You're only going to be taken into a place of doubt and despair. The reality is that even us Christians who follow Jesus, we are remarkably prepared, or at least we should be remarkably prepared for the challenges and the tragedies that come with life. And because that's what he said was going to happen. So all that I want to encourage our people, the, the folks who are listening and, and the people who were in church last Sunday is to voluntarily take on challenges, to voluntarily use this time of Lent to stretch yourself and to expand your capacity to bear hardship. And I want to spend a few moments just throwing out a few suggestions. Jimmy, if that's okay, I know we're... Can I... We're, I got one question before you go into yeah. that. What... Yeah. Do you remember exactly how you phrased it? Like, I don't remember if you said, hey, how this is how you find out what... Were you like, hey, pick anything? Or were you like... Yeah, hey, what I... Yeah, what I said was, uh, I, I, I've got my notes here. Um, so I said, you know, stretch your way, stretch yourself in some way and in any way. And, sub and then I said, subtract something, add something, anything that makes you, that would stretch you or make you uncomfortable, uh, do that, do that. So those, and then, and then, you know, what I failed to do, I said this at, um, at the five o'clock mass on Sunday, when I preached, I failed to say it at the eight o'clock mass, uh, in, in the morning, but so here, here's some examples, right? So, um, I I've started doing this, um, I've just this week, uh, my, my morning routine, um, includes in addition to prayer, um, it also includes a, a leisurely cup of coffee and watching um, the local news in the morning to get the weather and, you know, uh, everything else. Um, and and that, that's a leisurely experience for me. I'm in my pajamas. I'm having a cup of coffee. I'm taking my sweet old time. 
Um, I have eliminated that. And, and, and oh, wait, and I've been doing that for years. I've been doing that almost for my entire priesthood. I've eliminated that. And I now have my cup of coffee after mass. And I spend that time that I would normally have spent watching the morning news and having a cup of coffee. I get after my morning prayers sooner rather than later. Um, here's another. What's it, what's it called that? You got to do liturgy, what's it called? Yeah, liturgy the liturgy of the, of the hours. Yeah, the liturgy okay. of the hours. Yeah, or the divine office. Yeah, exactly. So instead of doing that, so instead of having my coffee and 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 watching the news before mass, I now do that after mass. And the first thing I do in the in, when I when I get up is I offer my morning prayers. Um, and then any, and, and so then another example would be, um, uh, in, in addition to the Lenten observance of fasting and abstaining um, from certain foods, it would be to cut them out of your diet completely. You know, you were talking earlier about this guy selling supplements and and the hard 75, right? So having control over what you take in, giving up forms of entertainment voluntarily, um, you know, not spending money um unnecessarily taking cold showers um gosh learning to keep your tongue when you have an opportunity to say something sarcastic or to pass judgment stretching yourself by keeping my mouth shut anything and everything or adding something getting up 30 minutes early to to, to, to pray or um, to, to help out around the house, right? You know, uh, gosh, the wife is the one who gets up and makes breakfast and puts the kids lunch together and empties the dishwasher. Well, maybe if you got up 30 minutes earlier and did all that for her. So it doesn't necessarily have to be subtracting something. It can also be adding something, something to stretch us in some way and in any way. And that, that, that becomes curative for whatever you're exactly. trying to do. Exactly. Yep. Yep. That becomes curative. It becomes formative and it becomes a vehicle by which virtue is cultivated. Virtues like discipline, self-control, moderation, temperance, um, patience, charity hope um and like I, i'll be honest with you in the, my exodus group like i'm seeing that like before my eyes because what everybody yeah. struggled with was having to pray an hour a day yeah and then you know now that we've been doing it for 60 days every you know no, nobody in the group's perfect but you could see like where for in the beginning an hour a day was like a burden but now yeah. it's like everybody's like craving that time yeah yeah yeah, and once you once you cultivate that habit, once once we do that stretching, and once we embrace those challenges, and they become habitual, then we remember what Jesus says in Matthew's Gospel, uh, chapter ten. He says, uh, "Take my yoke upon you, and learn from me, for I am meek and humble of heart, because my burden is easy, and my." yoke is light. In other words, we start taking on these disciplines, we start stretching ourselves. And over time, we find that our capacity to embrace them grows. And that makes us stronger. Uh, so I'm kind of seeing a thread kind of develop yeah. through the last last few podcasts. Yeah. So last week was, I mean, last week, I've been thinking about this all week, but like Lent, Lent's your passageway to freedom. Lent isn't just about a dreary, angry time where I'm bitter that I have to give something up and I'm white knuckling it. Exactly. And the way you're doing it is because you're stretching yourself the entire, the entire time. Right. right. And then that becomes curative. Yep. And but then, I would, go ahead. What, what I would say 
about the the curative dimension of this and i and i think peterson would back me up and i think i think um i think sort of hardcore um christian discipline would would support this idea is that look if we give something up for lent i'm using air quotes if we give something up for lent what is to stop us from giving it up the rest of the year in other words, if you give up chocolate or candy for Lent, there's nothing stopping you. There's no, there's hardly any nutritional value in, you know, candy. What what what's to stop you from from giving that up the rest of the year? Right. And to deny yourself, to challenge yourself, to stretch yourself to give up those things that you don't really need. So Lent, in other words, Lent is 47 days. This is true. Lent is 47 days. But the spiritual disciplines that come with Lent don't have to last just 47 days. You can go all in and really change your life. So yeah, it's the church sets aside this time to give yourself six weeks to build habits. Exactly. So although it's like sold as a time of taking away, it's actually adding because then you take those disciplines and those habits and you can build throughout, you just build throughout the year. Perfectly said. Man. Perfectly said. How long, how long has the church been doing like um, since the middle ages, at least so like a thousand the, years. Yeah. So a about a thousand years. Yeah. I mean, there's always been, I mean, it goes back to, I think like the, maybe like 1400 years where there was a change in the liturgical practice, um, around, um, around 600, uh, but then the Lenten disciplines as we know them, um, probably, uh, uh, from the middle ages, yeah. You know, it's almost like they knew what they were talking about. I know, right? Way way before way before we had psychotherapy. Right. You know, it's all it's all there, you know. And we just have to open our hearts, you know, Jesus is sort of the Jesus is sort of the consummate um the consummate um, psychotherapist. I mean, he's the divine physician, you know, he's the divine healer. And so, you know, if you want to, if you want to take those curative steps, all you got to do is come to the altar and receive word and Eucharist and let the divine physician do his thing in you and for you and with you takes all three. And I'm just thinking about previous podcasts we've done, but like Lent is essentially, you could say it's essentially your own self-imposed abyss. Yeah. 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 But the, but that self-imposed abyss is not destructive. It's not like sin. No, right? it, but it causes the metanoia. It causes exactly. the transformation. Right. So this is, but via positiva, right? Right. So, so a sinful abyss, what, what St. Francis de Sales calls self-imposed exile is destructive. Sin is destructive. And hopefully that leads to a metanoia, the transformation. This kind is via positiva, right? This is self-imposed growth, self-imposed abyss that leads us to metanoia. There's a couple ways to skin a cat, right? There's a couple ways right. to grow in holiness. This is a positive way to go about it. Good stuff here, Maynard. Yeah, I feel. I feel like we end it right there. I think. I think. I think we're there, brother. I think we're there, brother. Um, so I just want to encourage uh, our listeners. Um, share the podcast, of course, but then also give some thought to 
uh, how you might stretch and challenge yourself. What can you add or subtract? What kind of virtue can you add to your life? What kind of vice can you subtract from your life? How can you make you, how can you stretch and challenge yourself um, to grow? This is not only the point of Lent, but this is the point of life in Christ is to challenge ourselves and to and to walk um, every day striving for Christian perfection, striving for holiness. So challenge yourself, challenge ourselves. Let's uh you got any I kind of like asking you this question every podcast, but you got any resources, anything you think the if so if somebody's listening to the podcast like I'm kind of interested in challenging myself and growing spiritually. Any resources you think they should read, check out? Um, I would um, I would encourage you to, um, I would start with Jesus himself. You know, I, I would start with uh, the Sermon on the Mount uh, from Matthew's Gospel, Matthew uh, chapters 5, 6, and 7. There, Jesus pretty much lays out pretty clearly um, the, the, the Christian life. And what the Christian life should look like. Then, in addition to that in scripture, is just go to the very end, excuse me, go to the very end of any of St. Paul's letters. And there he lays out for us um, Christian discipline, how to approach things like our appetites and how we interact with the secular culture. St. Paul has a lot to, to say about that. Um, I would in, I would then encourage you to maybe um, maybe find a book uh, online um, and and I would search for this. I would type this into Google. I would type in something like Catholic or Christian spiritual growth. Do not type in self help. <laughs> you seem type to be a little in, annoyed by that. Yeah. Do not type, right? You don't know what you're going to get, right? Type in spiritual, a Christian or Catholic spiritual growth. Type that into Google, type that into Amazon and, and see what pulls up. I can recommend John Mark Comer. I've mentioned his name on this podcast before. John Mark Comer, C-O-M-E-R. He's a Protestant pastor um, in uh, Oregon, but he's got great books that are really, really, really close to being Catholic. Um, I would also recommend the writings of uh, a, a theologian by the name of John Eldridge, um, E-L-D-R-I-D-G-E, -E, John Eldridge. Uh, I would recommend the writings of um, Timothy Keller, K-E-L-L-E-R. He runs a, a very uh, popular um, church in New York City. He is, he is Protestant, but again, he is really, really close to being Catholic. These guys have great books. I would think anything from, uh, you could go to the Word on Fire Institute, Word on Fire, that's Bishop Barron's website. Bishop Barron can send you daily homilies. He uh, publishes articles um, weekly. He, he has new content almost daily. Word on Fire. That's Bishop Barron's website. And then and if you want to... I'm their sorry. Podcast, their podcast is phenomenal. Their pod, he does have a great podcast. You can just check out Word on Fire podcast. I think it's on... I mean, I get it on um, Apple, uh, the Apple app the podcast app. And then the last place that I'll, I'll recommend is if you want to dive deeper into Jordan Peterson, um, check his, uh, he's got two books. Uh, both are uh, 12 rules for life. Um, it, it, Jimmy and I both listened to them. They're very dense to, um, to read through. I tried to read through them, but I was able to I was able to listen to them um, and retain a lot more. And then you can find his podcast 
um, wherever you get your podcast. And then he's also got a ton of videos on uh, YouTube. Um, so again, he's he, he's coming to it from a, a psychotherapeutic uh, perspective, but he has a lot of great things to say, friends. And boy, they're all true with a capital T. <laughs> And then you had me read one of Comer's books, something about hurry. What is the name of that book? Yeah, The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. That's the okay. name of the book, The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. Uh, I recommended that if I was independently wealthy, which I'm not, or if I had a trust fund, which I don't, I would buy every man, woman, and child that I know a copy of that book and make them read it. That's the a strong recommendation. Amen, brother. The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. Um, boy, talk about being stretched, right? If you were to read that book um, for an hour every night instead of your favorite uh, sitcom or, or you know, the Real Housewives or whatever, could you imagine, right? So that that that's another. Um, so getting one of these books that would be another way to stretch yourself um, intellectually. That would also be curative. Absolutely. Um... There's a few things uh, around the parish I think we should probably uh, talk about too, real quick. Yeah, what do you where do you want to go? Where do you want to start with? So next fish fry is the thirty first. Yeah, always uh, a good time for community. And I know you want to talk about the women's axe retreat. Yep. So the women, I want to invite the women of the parish to um, to start thinking about uh, the axe retreat that's coming up in uh, in May. Uh, there'll be more uh, details in the bulletin, but let me get you the date so you can start thinking about um, leaving your um, your your husband and your children um, at home that weekend. Start planning now, uh, May 18th through the 21st from Thursday night to Sunday morning. You talk about a transformative experience, a curative experience, the Women's Axe Retreat here at Axe. Every Friday during Lent, we have Stations of the Cross at 6.30 in church every Friday night. Um, uh, Stations of the Cross, a great way to pray with suffering and, and, and to be inspired and to identify with Christ and his way of the cross um, and, and to find that in ourselves. So every Friday uh, during Lent, we got Bible study every Thursday morning. Uh, there's all kinds of stuff going on. Uh, I want to plug the uh, Lenten Almsgiving Project. We're raising $40,000 for Birthstone, uh, a pregnancy resource uh, here in, in, in St. Louis and really in our own neighborhood. Um, we uh, we, we, we want to raise 40 grand. We've already raised 20. So if you haven't made a gift yet, uh, you can make a gift online or using the envelopes in, in church. So that's another way to stretch yourself, right? Another way to challenge yourself. Take all the money you we that we spend on coffee or bread co or um, wh whatever it is we spend money on uh, discretionarily uh, to to give that money to to Birthstone. So uh, all, all kinds of stuff, uh, all kinds of stuff in in the bulletin too. So um, and then finally, just just a, a word of safe travels. I know lots of people are going out of town for spring break, so. Just uh, travel safe, and uh, I'll hold down the fart here. Awesome. Um, there was one other thing I thought we wanted to talk about, but it's it's escaping me right now. That's I got right. spring break on my name. That's I. Right. It's time. It's time to go. You want to do the plug, and then I'll do the prayer, and then we'll follow oh, the day. This, yeah, I did remember it. So a lot of people have been giving us really positive feedback uh, about the podcast, and I just wanted to thank everybody who is. Uh, Mentioned it. It definitely, I don't know about you, Father Craig, definitely motivates me to to keep plugging along. Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we're definitely reaching uh, reaching new people and more people with this. So we're going to keep it coming. We've got great episodes lined up uh, here. We're going to talk about things like silence and solitude. Uh, we're going to talk about um, what is commonly um, uh, referred to as the culture wars. What are we talking about when we talk about culture wars, right? We're going to talk about the history of the church um, and, and, and setting the record straight when it comes to the church and, and her involvement in things like world history, like the fall of communism and World War II and stuff like that. We're going to talk about the kerygma. 
What is it that the church actually believes? And then what does it mean to, to live out the kerygma? So those are just a few things that we've got coming up in, um, in, in podcasts that are to come. So keep tuning in, my friends. All right. So if you found value of the podcast, please like, uh, share, and subscribe. And if you wouldn't mind, give us a comment in iTunes because that uh, helps encourage the listenership. So thanks, Father Craig. Hey, thanks. Let's close with a prayer, shall we? In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Good and gracious God, you are the source of all blessing. You've drawn us together here um, to learn and to grow and to be challenged. So stretch us this week. Stretch us and strengthen us this week. Keep us close to you, close to the people we love. We make this prayer through Christ our Lord. Amen. In the name of Amen. the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. All right. See you, everybody. Yep. Peace.